Hello, and thanks for checking out this week's Dynasty Blueprint. This week, Matt and I talk about the value of some of the injured players, including Rashad Penny, Calvin Ridley, and Mike Evans, as well as up-and-comers like Drew Locke and Debo Samuel. We finish off the show with a tight end back-to-the-future draft, drafting the tight end position from the standpoint of the 2020 offseason. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, we're here to talk week 14. We're in the fantasy playoffs. I'm out of the fantasy playoffs in a lot of leagues. How, how's it going for you? Quite good. I accumulated a very good week in fantasy collectively over my redraft team and my, my dynasty teams. Just got all kind of hit. It wasn't like it was anything special or specific guys necessarily, but it was it went well. I, th- I think I won all my playoff matchups. Or about to, yeah, yeah. That's good. I've, I've, I'm still alive in a few, uh, but they're, <laughs> I'm getting knocked off quickly after, uh, after having some good regular season success. But, uh, you know, that's that's just a, a, another reason to look forward to the off season, I guess. Absolutely, which is dynasty time. Off season is always a blast for dynasty. Exactly, exactly. Well, this week uh, we're not looking to the off season quite yet. We're looking back at week fourteen at some of the uh, top storylines from a dynasty perspective, and I want to start with injuries. That was really a a key to surviving week fourteen uh, was avoiding some of these some of these injuries. And uh, now as these as the season ends for some of these players. It is time to look forward to the off season because we need to analyze what their value is as as their season is now over. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. Rashad Penny uh, suffered a torn ACL in Sunday night's game. Uh, we saw him leave the game pretty early in, in that game and uh, knew it was a knee injury. Then we heard the report. Uh, following the game that he was expected to miss the rest of the season, and you're just you're just hoping you you don't hear that uh, that upcoming report, and that's what we got as it was the ACL. So obviously, not only done for the rest of the year, but have to potentially think uh, early 2020 season could be impacted as well. Overall, it was a disappointing season for Penny, even before the injury, as as Chris Carson took hold of that job early and and never really let it go. He let go of the football, but he didn't let go of the job. <laughs> uh, so, what are you thinking as far as Rashad Penny's dynasty value moving forward? I guess it takes a hit. I mean, do you think it helps a pro size? I mean, I'm sure it helps Carson a little bit. Although I don't know that he, with his running style, is going to have a very long career. I guess it's not a. It's a good time of year for it to happen if it doesn't translate into week one next year. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, I, I don't own him anywhere. I don't love him to begin with, but I will admit that he looked better this this last couple of weeks than I had expected from him. 
that's that's maybe the most frustrating part of this is it, yeah. it, it did seem like he'd kind of turned a corner after some uh, early season struggles. He was seeing more playing time and and was looking better uh, prior to that injury. I'm like you, never really bought in. I don't think I own him on any of my uh, dynasty teams. I, I think the injury does potentially give us a a buy low window, which which could stretch honestly throughout the entire off season, especially if. Carson continues to play well in in these last few games and and through the playoffs for Seattle, um, but I don't think I'll be taking advantage of of that buy low uh, mm-hmm. opportunity. Honestly, I mean, I guess I might throw a mid second at him, but that's that's probably that probably doesn't get it done though, right? No, no, that's what I was going to say. Right. That's that's kind of the top of what I'm comfortable with and. Uh, I doubt anybody is giving him up for that, so I don't. I don't think there'll be a match there, uh, at least with my rosters. Yeah, I'm with you. Just because, I mean, I didn't love him to begin with, and I don't like him any better because he hurt his knee. <laughs> you know, and he does have value, and I'm sure the owner who did like him at one point at least liked him the last he saw him. And it's a committee, and I, I doubt they. Address the position in the offseason, though. Do you think that's safe to say? I mean, they used a the first-round pick on him recently. Yeah, yeah. I think I would think they're pretty set. Uh, I know Carson and Penny are both under contract for next year. Not sure about uh, ProSize, but uh, I think they could – either way, they could bring him back if they wanted to. Uh, we'll see how he does in this backup role in the last month or so. Another guy whose season is over is Calvin Ridley suffered an abdominal injury and he is done for the year. Uh, it's it's a little it's a little tougher to have your season end when you're uh, a Seattle team bound for the playoffs, but when you get injured on the Falcons and you're going nowhere and you've got five or six wins, it's it's a little easier to hang it up or to land on the IR. So, uh, hopefully it's more of that scenario versus a severe injury from Ridley. We're not exactly sure uh, what it is that that has ended his season, but he he's another player who was really coming on strong. Uh, in fact, over the past month, he was a top five fantasy scorer uh, even after leaving that game early yesterday. What are you doing with Calvin Ridley? I know we, we talked about him a little last week comparing him to his teammate Julio Jones, and we all agreed that for the price, we would prefer Ridley. Yeah, and I think we actually decided straight up if you're drafting, I think I'd take Ridley over Jones right now. Did, did, was that our consensus, or yep. was I alone? No, on? that was. I think that, that yeah. was pretty much it. And and then we looked at the ADP. Ridley's ADP is currently 42, uh, and Julio is is late in that second round, or mid, mid to late second round. So... Yeah, when you factor in the value, I think it, or, or the cost, I guess I should say, it it becomes a really easy conversation, at least for me. Uh, but now Ridley is done for the year. Again, the Falcons' season was going nowhere. So um, hopefully this is not something that impacts his 2020 season. I, I don't think that's the expectation. Uh, and, and I certainly would be buying Calvin Ridley all offseason if I can. Yeah, if, if this... If this lowers his cost by even a penny, I'm I'm jumping all over it. Uh, you mentioned something I wanted to bring up too that 
uh, this time of year on bad teams out for the season may not be as bad as it sounds. You know, I mean, like, if A.J. Green was a Patriot, do you think he might be playing this week? Maybe. You know, I mean, it's just very situational. Might as well shut him down. We're not going anywhere. We don't want to endanger a valuable young player. Um, so some of these injuries this time of year to non-contending teams probably aren't as bad as the headline will make you think. So Ridley, to me, is only going up in value. He's in that Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore neighborhood. I'd probably take him third with those guys because those guys are ones on their respective team. But the thing about Atlanta, what are they going to look like a year or two years from now? I mean, I know Ridley will be in the equation, but are they going to have a new head coach? How long is Ryan going to be around? I mean, there's a couple of these teams, like Carolina comes to mind, that are very much in transition from an NFL standpoint. What are they going to look like? Are they going to be good situations, bad situations? Who knows? But when in doubt, bet on talent, and he's a good football player. Yeah, I agree with all that. and That kind of goes back to the conversation we had last week about the Patriots. Uh, do, we, do we even consider the Patriots a good situation anymore? Uh, that's That's up for debate. But I think it's a fair question about Atlanta. You think not only Julio Jones, but Matt Ryan, as you mentioned, Devontae Freeman. Uh, if you're looking two years down the road or even longer, you have to think those guys may not be around. Um, we, we, right. we think Calvin Ridley will, but who's going to be throwing in the ball? Who's going to be on the uh, lining up opposite of him? We'll see, and, and those are those things are all factors for sure. But I, I do think um, Ridley's price has remained very fair, and, and you know it's probably okay to say he's he's even undervalued. Yeah, it, it'd be nice if you could. I mean, probably the trading deadline's gone, but it'd be great to try to make an offer for him right now. You know, right after this injury happened, especially if a team was in the playoffs or whatever. But you're gonna have to wait to the off season, and you're probably not gonna you know get ninety cents on the dollar on the guy. Yeah. Uh, another wide receiver who is, we we haven't heard official word, but his looks like his season is over as well. Also from the NFC South, Mike Evans suffered a hamstring injury, uh, did not return to the game, and his head coach and and everyone else, beat, beat writers included, make it sound like we probably won't see Evans for the rest of the year. Finally, had uh, or I shouldn't say finally, but had an, another huge season. This guy just continues to be. Um, undervalued. It's it's hard to say a first round startup pick is undervalued, but he's there and available late in the first round, early in the second round of dynasty startups. When I think he should be in the conversation for uh, to be maybe a top five pick, and uh, the emergence of of Chris Godwin has only gone to uh, I, I guess further that that we continue to see Evans value in his production not quite matching up so uh, i can't necessarily say go out and buy mike evans everywhere because the price will still be steep but i think uh, in comparison to some of the other top wide receivers there's a little bit of a discount to be had there yeah and he's slightly frustrating to own because he will have his his floor is a little bit low and sometimes it's a a massive Godwin game, but it seems like one or both of those guys almost always goes off. He's an immense talent. I would think if you're an Evans owner, 
you want Jameis around. I mean, Jameis, you might not want him on your favorite you know, NFL team, but he's fantasy gold in terms of making people around him, the receivers and the passing game better. And he puts up fantasy numbers week after week. I'm with you. I mean, there aren't many receivers I would rather have than Mike Evans. Uh, he's still very young. He's a touchdown machine. He gets downfield. He's a great player. It's really on a, a Hall of Fame type of pace. Well, going back to Jameis, what is your what's your gut call there? Are are they going to end up keeping him and uh, working out a deal, or is he going to hit the market? That's a really hard one for me. Yeah, because I'm an admitted Jameis supporter, but boy, sometimes it's tough. I mean, he's on pace. He might be the first quarterback in history this year to do 30-30 with interceptions and touchdowns. That's hard to do. Usually you get benched. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's uh, you, you see a lot of the 30 TD people, but not both. That I think Arians probably likes his style of play, but it's got to frustrate you to no end if you're a head coach. What kind of money would you pay Winston? I mean, I think that's the bigger question of, yeah, would be interested in bringing you back. Maybe using a second-round pick at that position, something like that, if the money's right. But I can't give you $32 million a year like you're, you know, a franchise-franchise great quarterback. But that's kind of the going rate. That's a tough one. I, I don't know. I think he will start somewhere. I think he'll be frustrating all his career, <laughs> but it wouldn't shock me if he puts one season together where the interception numbers are like 10 and everyone thinks he's one of the best players in the league. Yeah, well, the the upside is certainly there if if he can control the the interceptions, and uh, I, I don't know, maybe it just comes from a a lack of accuracy, but it, it it seems like no quarterback in the league has more tipped passes that turn into interceptions. You know, he's he's averaging yeah. he's averaging more than I think he's averaging more than two interceptions a game, and. It seems like at least one of those every week is a, a tipped, uh, deflected ball from his own receiver to into the hands of of a defender. So uh, those aren't completely his fault, at least. Um, but you can't really bad luck your way to thirty interceptions either. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, he. It, one thing about him, which is often forgotten, or a couple things, is he never has a running game. His offensive line has been average on a good day throughout his career. And part of it is just his mentality, too, though. His degree of difficulty per throw throughout his career is as difficult as anyone almost in the history of the game in terms of just air yards and those type of things. So, you know, I mean, what do you expect to some degree? I mean, he... There's give him a running game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. for starters, give him a back. That would be nice. Well, there's they're right. they're going to have that chance in the 2020 draft with plenty of running backs. So maybe uh, maybe that changes for next year. One more player. Speaking of running backs, one more player who uh, suffered an injury and and his uh, his remainder of the season is in is in doubt is Darius Geis, the Redskins running back, and we know injuries continue to be an issue for him. Uh, finally came back about a month ago. The Redskins were obviously managing his touches, uh, sharing that backfield with Adrian Peterson and, and more recently Chris Thompson as well. And he was he was basically seeing about uh, 10 to 12 touches a game, even though uh, he was producing like 
like an elite back, honestly. Uh, so he suffers the knee injury already ruled out for next week. Certainly wouldn't be surprised as careful as they were being already with him if uh, if we don't see him the rest of the season. Uh, we've talked a lot about guys with the injury. Um, of course, former 1.02 in his rookie class, and uh, we haven't just just haven't seen a whole lot from him because of those injuries. What are you doing with guys if you own him in Dynasty? Um. I love the way he ran, but that was only one week, and that was last week, and the run that he got hurt on, he looked good, and it, it, it was really teases you. Like, I remember when people were comparing him to Barkley coming out of school. Like, it's Barkley's probably won, but Geis isn't far behind, and I know he fell further than Barkley, but, I mean, I remember having conversations on here with Debbie folks, and he's one of the best backs we've seen in a while. I mean, and you see those abilities, and then he goes down, and I'm watching Red Zone with my 12-year-old son, and he's like, oh my gosh, can this guy ever stay healthy? Holy cow. You know, like, and I'm sure that's the immediate response of everyone out there. It, it, unless the medical comes back really bad, I think this is a great buying opportunity for him. I mean, Adrian Peterson can't last forever. Thompson's pulled held together with duct tape, too. I mean, I can see Geis being the lead back on that, that team as early as week one next year and excelling. Or he might get hurt yet again and lives on IR his whole career and he's super disappointing. But um, I think you can get him pretty cheap right now. Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, you take a you take a player who I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to call him injury prone, but these been injured a lot. These these injuries keep happening. So I'm I'm going to say you, yeah. t- you take a player who's injury prone. You take uh, what's been called the worst uh, medical staff in in the league with the Redskins. <laughs> that's a nice boat. That's, yeah. that's not a good combination. So it's been said before on this podcast and on other podcasts, uh, if if you just build your dynasty team right now and avoid all Redskins players, you're probably going to come out ahead on that. So uh, I, I, I get your point. The talent is obviously there, but this is another guy I'm, I think I'm just going to stay away from even at the reduced cost. Yeah, I just think you get such a deal on him right now that whoever's stuck with him is finally just going to say, get him out of my locker room. Yeah. You know, I can't stand him anymore. You know, uh, he's dead to me. I'll never own him on my fantasy team again. I, I just never take that approach. All right. One player that we're not saying that about is rookie quarterback Drew Locke. Uh, started his first, uh, got his first start uh, just a couple weeks ago. He's now 2-0 and as the starter. And... I mean, Broncos fans must just be loving life. They suffered through Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen for uh, for two and a half months, and, and now you get this big-armed rookie in there. He's throwing the ball all, all over the place, put up over 300 yards and three touchdowns uh, as they just waxed the Texans. Uh, are you buying into Drew Locke? No. Oh. I mean... I mean, I'm not just jumping in with two feet that Elway found his quarterback and Denver's going to be great from here on out. And uh, there's ability there, but I didn't love him coming out of school. And this isn't enough for me to say, wow, I'm all in on this guy. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't love him coming out either. I mean, I just thought he was fine. Nothing special. But uh, maybe it's, for me, maybe it's just exactly what I described that, uh, stuck looking at these other these other guys who obviously were not the uh, future of the franchise, and, and then he comes in and and wows everybody. 
Um, I don't know. I, I would be a buyer on, on Drew Locke actually pretty aggressively, especially in a super flex wow. league. Um, I mean, Elway has just struck out so many times that I, I think he has to be thinking that as well. Uh, I mean, no, no. Quor- See, but that should worry me if I'm a Broncos fan. He, no quarterback move that he's made has worked out other than just the gift of Peyton Manning landing there uh, years ago. You know, Osweiler and Paxton Lynch and uh, and signing Flacco, just nothing has worked for them. So to see something, even in a, a very small sample size, that is working has to give a little bit of hope. Yeah, but my worry would be, I'm talking more football than I am dynasty and fantasy is, boy, Locke's going to have a good final month of the year against teams that didn't know how to prepare for him. Elway's going to think it's all fixed and we're just going to ride with him next year and he's going to turn into Blake Bortles. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly possible. (laughs) I mean, we've, we've seen it a lot, honestly. Uh, In fact, it kind of seems like we see it almost every year that these, these quarterbacks and not just quarterbacks, players at all, at all positions kind of lull the front office and the coaching staff into thinking there's really something there when, when maybe there's not. So I don't know. You, you threw a little cold water on me, but that's okay. Maybe, maybe that's what I needed. I mean, if I had them, I'd be shopping them. And I think you could get a lot. Don't you think in a super flex? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's already close to being worth a, uh, a late first rounder. Uh, I, I did a poll on Twitter asking uh, which rookie quarterback you would prefer. I, I left Kyler Murray out of it, but Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Gardner Minshew, and it, it was close between Jones and Locke. It was it was a tight race between those two. So I understand that, and I also don't like Minshew, Haskins, or Jones all that much. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of it. Let's stick with the rookie conversation because uh, 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel just continues to produce for that team. Caught five passes for 76 yards against the Saints. What have you thought in general about Debo Samuel this year? I was very fond of him coming out of school. I like his all-around skill set, toughness after the catch, versatility in terms of alignment. I think he went to a pretty good situation. But he's been better than I thought. I mean, just the eyeball test, seeing him on the field. I don't... I was going to say, I don't know that they're going to go out and try to get a true one, but I bet they don't since that's really Kittle. I think he's going to be the second leading receiver, third leading receiver for the Niners over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I think... On a good offense. Yeah, that kind I mean, honestly, that kind of feels like uh, the floor. If you tell me he's... The second right. leading receiver over the next three years, I would, uh, I would hope he would be at least that, and uh, depending if you're throwing Kittle in there uh, or just just I, I was yeah, yeah yeah okay that makes sense. How are you valuing him compared to some of the other rookie wide receivers? Um, so looking at guys like Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Marquise Brown, uh, we've had a few surprises, including. Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson. Let's let's go one by one, and we'll each pick who we like better. Who, so who's your number uh, one right now? No, no. Who, uh, I was just going to say, do you want Samuel or Harry? Okay, I want uh, I want Harry. 
Mm. I went Samuel. Okay. I, I like what I've seen better, and I I don't trust the Patriots going forward. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I can't blame you. Okay, Met, yeah. Metcalf versus Debo. Metcalf by maybe not as big a gap as most people. Okay, I've got Metcalf there as well. Uh, AJ Brown is my wide receiver one. He has been. Uh, he was for much of the off season, and he still is. So I definitely want AJ Brown. Yeah, kudos to you. He's awesome. He's going to be. He would be very. If we were doing a wide receiver draft today, he wouldn't be far out of my top twelve. I think he's going to be a great player. Uh, I think all the others I'm taking Debo. So that was Marquise Brown, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson. Uh, you can throw Mecole Hardman in there if you want. I'm taking Debo over all those guys. I think McLaurin is a conversation, although I don't love his situation. So I would lean towards Samuel, but McLaurin wouldn't be a bad consolation prize. Don't sleep on my man Deontay Johnson. I think he's going to be very, very good. Um, today, made or last this past week, made his stock soar, I'm sure, but I would still pay whatever it is to, to acquire him. So him versus Samuel is not a slam dunk for me. I like him that much. Wow. So I, I did want to bring this up. I actually mentioned it on the DLF Dynasty podcast this week as well because we've we've talked about it on here uh, as recently as um, three or four weeks ago. And you were saying that Juju has been a disappointment, obviously, this year. James Washington at that point hadn't really done anything. Deontay Johnson had shown some flashes but kind of looked like a complimentary guy. And then in the last month or so, Washington has really come along. Deontay Johnson continues to impress uh, from from time to time, at least. And, and you're getting Juju back soon. So now you're going into 2020 with these uh, these three young receivers. You're hoping to have Ben back. You can maybe try to figure out the running game. But do you expect receiver to still be a priority for Pittsburgh this offseason? I've changed my tune on it a lot. And remember, they don't have a first-round pick. Um, a lot of their offseason money is going to go towards Hargrave and Bud Dupree. So I think day two picks are going to be running back tight end. I think they'll be very happy with this trio of young receivers. They picked up Deion Kane, who's, I couldn't believe they got him off a of practice squad. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he really is. They they picked him up, and, and he's he's played for them. He's he's seeing uh, yeah. seeing snaps and uh, and some a few targets. I mean, he's... He's the fourth guy there, but he's a pretty good fourth option. Yeah, they like to throw him. He's still learning. They picked him up. You know, he doesn't he doesn't know the system? And he's getting better at that, obviously. But they throw him bombs. You know, he's fast. He's an outside the numbers guy. I think those four are going to be foundational pieces for a while, especially the top three, of course. And and with their track record of uh, of pretty finding good. wide receivers, even when they get a guy off a practice squad from another team, we should be paying attention. Yeah, agreed, and uh, it's a good it's a good situation. And Deontay Johnson is worth a lot right now, in my opinion. Paying a first for Deontay Johnson, yeah, in Dynasty. Ooh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean a random. I'm a late one, probably not one I think will be a top five pick. All right. Uh, last topic of the day is Austin Eckler had a huge game for the Chargers this week. Uh, had over a hundred yards rushing and receiving. This, this guy just continues to produce. We. He did it the first month of the season with uh, with Melvin Gordon holding out. When Gordon came back, I think many people were kind of worried that would be the the end of uh, the end of Eckler not only producing but maybe even 
seeing significant playing time and and that just hasn't been the case uh he hasn't hasn't been quite as productive as as before gordon returned but uh still still a fantasy starter and then now he shows this uh he shows this upside every once in a while of really just making huge plays this guy's 24 years old i looked at our latest adp which is going to post later this week on dlf he was running back 26 in that that feels like 10 spots too low at least right i was sitting here thinking like 12 to 15 neighborhood gordon's probably not going to be back eckler's still young he showed when Gordon was out that he can be a workhorse or close enough to it. He's a great receiver. He's a great player. I mean, I, I, every time I watch him, I just think, man, I mean, are there really 10 backs in the league better than this guy right now at doing everything? And he's perfect for the system. I mean, he's perfect for today's NFL with his receiving skills. I really like him. Yeah, I do as well. And, I mean, there there are things going against him that aren't, that aren't real, but that dynasty owners hang on to dynasty players hang on to. He was an undrafted free agent. He's stuck mm-hmm. behind Melvin Gordon, who regardless of his production is still thought of as a top, a, a top back and then just uh Eckler size. But so many players have, have shown that doesn't bother me. Right. So many yeah. show, players have shown that that shouldn't really factor in, but I think all three of those pieces combined to keep him, in that RB3 range rather than high RB2 or maybe even low-end RB1 where he probably should be. So uh, I've updated my rankings, and um, that's that's exactly where he is. He's knocking on the door of, of being valued as an RB1, at least to me. And when you factor in what you're talking about as far as maybe Gordon is gone after this year, he, only, he can only go up from here. Yeah, and... I mean, I've thought this for a couple off seasons, but I would hope that the Chargers' number one priority, especially with an old quarterback, is let's get some linemen in here. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be the running back position. I mean, even uh, even Justin Jackson has produced in that offense when given a chance. So you have to think if if Gordon is gone, they've got those two. Maybe they spend a late pick on um, on a big bruiser or something that would be a complement to those two and. And then you figure out offensive line, you figure out uh, any other holes you have, which maybe include the quarterback position. Right, right. I would think early picks should be linemen and quarterback. Yeah. I mean, maybe you use a fifth rounder on a 225-pound guy and he vultures some touchdowns over the next couple of years, maybe. Who knows? Let's talk about Harry's. Does that work for you? Uh, what guy in your life are you shopping for this holiday season? Your dad. That's my dad's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, dad. Maybe I'll get you Harry's. Um, uncle, brother, husband, fiance. So I, I used to use, I've told you guys this many times, I used to use blades and then my face would get all beat up and my skin was too sensitive. So I switched over to electric until I found Harry's and now I use Harry's every day. I mean, it's a gift that's both thoughtful and practical and it's very reasonable too. So listeners of our show get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com dynasty. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. That's happening pretty quick here, guys. So it's a practical gift he'll actually use. Harry's makes sharp blades that last, German-engineered and award-winning, backed by a 100% quality guarantee, so if he doesn't love his shave, you get a full refund. He'll love his shave, trust me. It's a great deal for you and for him. 
Holiday sets start at just 20 bucks. That's within Secret Santa limits. And Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each, so your guys will save money over time. It comes in a ready-to-gift handsome holiday gift box, and your gift gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. That's our buddies over at Harry's. So, as a special offer for fans of our show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you 5 bucks off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets when you go to harrys.com slash dynasty, plus you'll get free shipping. Uh, each shaving set comes with a weighted handle with the option to engrave, pretty fancy, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather that smells great, my wife loves it, travel cover to protect your blades, and they're packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. So again, free shipping ends December 16th, so get on this right now, go to harrys.com slash dynasty, that's harrys.com slash dynasty. Matt, we're missing our buddy Dan Sanio this week, but we are still going to complete our Back to the Future draft. We're including 2020 rookies uh, in this. We're looking at the tight end position this week, and uh, I'll kind of give a spoiler alert. I don't think any any rookie tight ends uh, are going to crash this top 12 unless you surprise me. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna score. I'm not gonna. I can tell you that right now. I don't know them well enough, and there's no one that jumps out of me to know. Yeah, so, uh, we we definitely got spoiled at the tight end position the past couple of years. I, I do think it uh, looks like 2020 is uh, not going to be the year to find your future stud tight end. At least the the odds are not good. Uh, but we are going to fast forward to that off season of 2020, which is now just a few weeks away. Uh, if you've already lost your playoff matchup, you might be in off season mode already. We're going to draft the. Uh, tight end position, top 12, and uh, we'll snake that. And Matt, you get the first pick. What a play George Kittle made the other day, oh, or yesterday. Yeah. I mean, one of the plays of the year, as he's getting face masks, it just amazes me how fast he is and what he's like after the catch. Also the best blocker in the league amongst the, the top receiving tight ends. Uh, he's easily number one for me. He's about four years younger than Travis Kelsey, too. So Kittle is a stud. Yep, Kittle is uh, my 101 in this uh, in this draft as well. So a pretty, pretty obvious pick for me, actually. I was surprised in our latest ADP that I mentioned. Kelsey's still getting drafted ahead of him. So uh, if you can make the move from Kelsey to Kittle... I would do that. Uh, I will still take Travis Kelsey at the two spot. I still think he is deserving of that. He's he's not going away quite yet. I, I think the three position is really where it gets interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like. Oh, you're going. You're snaking. I forgot. I was. I was thinking. I was up. So I'm glad you. Had yeah. To no, I'm. I'm going to take the pressure off of you. I, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of options. I think the next probably five guys are all fairly interchangeable. Uh, we've seen we've seen injuries from really all of these guys in this in this range. Um, I think I'm going to go with Mark Andrews as tight end three here. Yeah, he's a little younger than some of the others to consider in that neighborhood. And boy, I mean, just watching that Bills game, Ravens Bills, it showed that they were kind of light on receivers when he went out, and how much Lamar trusts him. I would have taken Hunter Henry. I got no qualms with Andrews. I'm going to stick with Henry. Only 25. And then I get two. I'll also take another 25-year-old, Evan Ingram. We haven't seen much of him lately, but I think he's phenomenally talented. All right. The the one spot was definitely the uh, 
<laughs> the better position in this draft. Uh, yeah. So you get Kittle at one. I took Kelsey at two, Andrews at three, and then you grab Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram at four and five. Uh, at six, this one's a pretty easy pick for me. I'm going to take Austin Hooper. He's another player who has uh, missed some time with injury, uh, but I believe he was actually the tight end one uh, overall before he uh, before he missed that month or so with the injury. So we'll see if he can bounce back to wrap up the season. The seven pick is a little tougher, but I, I guess I'm going to go with the chalk and take Zach Ertz at seven. Yeah, I don't play. I, mean, I think those were the two picks. Although I'm going to take Hawkinson here, and it's more of a leap of faith. I mean, it was a pretty disappointing rookie year, but let's remember that's historically what tight ends do. I just loved them coming out of Iowa, and I like the way Stafford played. I think Hawkinson's a really, really good prospect, only 22 years old. I think other pe- most people would probably take Fant over him. I still wouldn't. I know he's hot right now. I just think Hawkinson's a much better all-around player. And I'm still going to pass on Fant and take Darren Waller, who's only 27. They use a tight end there extremely well. I do think they will add a big-time receiver of some kind of consequence, draft, whatever. But Waller is proven to me. Yeah, they, they were definitely left in a bad position with the whole Antonio Brown thing. They thought they had receiver kind of figured out with Brown and... Uh, Tyrell Williams and then Waller and and then they kind of get left high and dry there a little bit so I think receiver has to be a priority for them but I agree Waller makes a lot of sense in this at, at this point got that new big contract to lock him into Oakland for a while uh, and and he deserved it so uh, Hawkinson at eight Waller at nine I'm glad you didn't take Fant I'll take him at 10 I think that's the easy one and then it gets a little tough. Maybe another tier break here. I'm going to take Dallas Goddard at 11. Want to make sure he gets picked. Not sure. Uh, not sure what you're thinking about Goddard lately. So I'll take Goddard at 11, and that leaves you the last pick. Yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't take Goddard because now I don't know who to take. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I still really like what OJ Howard has physically, and I'm hoping he ends up in a different city. I would think about that. I mean, Najoku somebody we haven't ta- seen hardly any of, but why do we think he's any less of a prospect now than a year ago? Gerald Everett crossed my mind. Um, I kind of like Gusecki, but I can't take that leap of faith. I think I'll take Howard. All right. I'm a little surprised about that. Who would that. you have went with there? I th- Who would you take? I with? think I would have gone Njoku probably. Um, really? Agree with you, oh. though. Everett, Gusecki, both... Um, both would have been considered. Irv Smith is another one I would have thought about him. I would have looked at, um, and then we're kind of seeing we're seeing Johnny Smith come on uh, here late in the season. We're seeing Ian Thomas. Uh, he got a chance with Greg Olson hurt, so those those are guys who could certainly gain some value uh, throughout the off season. Chris Herndon had a lost year, but he's he's a guy we really liked entering this season. And then, then you've got the old guys who are trending in the wrong direction. Uh, Jared Cook, Vance McDonald, Kyle Rudolph, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, among them. Didn't really consider any of those guys, but they're probably at least worth a mention. Yeah, Cook was the only one that even crossed my mind. So the tight end draft goes Kittle at one, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, 
Hunter Henry at four, Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper, Zach Ertz at seven. So he's he's the one who's really lost some value this season. TJ Hawkinson at eight, Darren Waller, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, and you wrapped it up with OJ Howard at twelve. That leaves Njoku, Everett, Gasecki, Irv Smith, Herndon, and others undrafted, making them pretty good values, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And seemed a little chalky our top twelve. You know, like I don't know there would have been a whole lot different if Dan would have been here, or um, it, it seemed like that was a pretty standard way it went. Yeah, probably so. Like I said, I think from three, which uh, in this draft was Andrews, from three down to probably all the way to ten, which was Fant. I think those guys could go in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different orders. If we do this again in a week or a month, uh, you see Fant's coming on, right? You see Fant moving up. Maybe Hooper uh, finishes strong and moves back up. Evan Ingram. I don't know if we'll even see him the rest of the season. We probably shouldn't at this point. Um, so he he could be a value. He was basically locked in at that three spot about a month ago, and now he's he falls to five and, and could have fallen even further. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I just some of those guys, those out of sight, out of mind guys. You know, you you asked a question last week. Players that haven't played much this year that we're still targeting. I think Engram qualifies as one of those. Yep, good call. All right, well, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.